touch, pause, engage. G'day and welcome to Green and Gold Rugby Pod Slam 88. It's uh, Matt Rowley here. Uh, we're sponsored for another year by strike.com.au, uh, Australia's biggest suppliers of Bluetooth car kits and reversing cameras. Um, they obviously saw the value. Um, so anyone else with a, you know any other sponsorship proposals out there, come on down. Um, it's our first one back for 2013. And joining me for this auspicious podcast. I've got uh, Scott Allen. G'day mate, how are you? Great, good to be talking to you in Australia. It is indeed. Um, Your first one from local territory? Yes, I'm nervous. I'm nervous, <laughs> uh, you know, knowing I don't have that distance <laughs> to hide behind. No, it's great. It's great to be here and um, um, it's just, well, I, I might be speaking too early but it sounds the c- connection so much better. People should know that on previous ones, we've actually been talking to you from a car park sitting outside a client's office waiting to go to a meeting, haven't we? <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, but the time zone wasn't great. So, you know, 8 or 9 o'clock at night here was like 10 or 11 in the morning there. Um, and unfortunately, um, as I think most people have guessed, Green and Gold Rugby doesn't pay all our wages um, as yet. So, um, yes, while I was doing the day job, just trying to fit in the, the pod slabs. So... Being able to be here in the same time zone is just making life so much easier, um, I've got to say. Um, but we'll touch on some examples of that later on. Uh, also joining me and uh, Scott is Hugh. Otherwise, G'day, guys. Barbarian, mate. How, How are, are you? you? How was your... Uh, I hope your Christmas January break was, was good. Um, I... Uh, was fielding some complaints today on Twitter that, uh, or for the last few weeks, is when the pod slam's going to come back. And I was saying for all those weeks that we wait for the traditional sign that the rugby season's about to start, which is a Rob Horn injury. Hey. And luckily today, the gods of rugby uh, forced that upon us, and here we are. So, so we know uh, welcome to the 2013 season. The cycle has, has begun. <laughs> <laughs> the injury cycle. Well, actually, I saw a tweet from Clarkie at Fox Sports. Um, uh, actually mentioning that, actually he had a whole list of people. So um, Barnes as well, um, Horwell, yeah. um, you know, there's, there's a bunch of big names that have gone down already. Yeah, it's not, it's not good. Drew Mitchell, a few, obviously most of them will be Waratahs considering the uh, <laughs> curse that we seem to be under. But uh, either way, it's uh, still, regardless of who's playing and who's not, I can't wait to get back into the season. It's going to be a great one. Yeah. Well, actually, you might have heard in the background that little kind of... Uh, but a big message, and that was actually from Mr. Tim's saying he's stuck at work, um, says hello for every, to everybody. So um, we'll have him back on the show um, ASAP. Um, but let's get um, a move on, shall we? There's a bit to discuss. Uh, obviously, the logical thing to start off with is probably a look at the runners and riders for this year. Um, it's early days, but I guess we can at least have a think about and have a talk about what's changed uh, over the off-season and... Uh, who's uh, looking hot and who's not. So why don't we kick off maybe spending some time on the Aussie conference um, and kind of go through each team. I'll just throw them out there um, as we go through to kind of 
lead off with. Um, why don't we start uh, with the winners from last year, the, the Aussie Conference, that is, the Reds. Um, Scott, you'd be the man to tell us about what's going on down there. You've seen almost every minute of every trial um, and seen them train. Uh, what's your take on the Reds this year? Uh, I think certainly with Quake Cooper back in there, they are looking very attacking. Cooper's been looking full of life. He's obviously very fit from the boxing thing. I, I would say I'm a little concerned about their defence in the trial matches. Um, and I saw somebody made a comment that trial matches, you normally have high scores. And I've, we have had a lot of those in the last few weeks. I'm not sure I quite understand why that is. I would have thought that in a trial match, you want to be practising your defence as well. Mm. Um, the Reds, you know, for example, in the first half last week against the Chiefs were very good. Their defence was excellent. But come second half, they got a bit loose. Um, and certainly the same in the Blues. They had a period where they were very loose. Um, a lot of drop ball. So I don't know the combinations are quite there yet. They haven't run what I would consider, or what I think will be the team for round one. That team hasn't got close to being on the park together at any stage in the trial matches. So, right. you know, they're going in with a, not a limited preparation, but... You know, I think in an ideal world, I would have thought they would have liked to have two trials where they at least got a half a game out of their top team together to practice things, but that's obviously not the way they were thinking. Uh, I think they will suffer the injuries to Hall and Samo, I think, are a big blow. I mean, they're two experienced big ball carriers. Um, They've got a lot of depth, I would say that, about the Reds, and some of their players that are coming up have looked really good in the trials, but... You know, you take out those two guys, and that's a bit of a dent for them. Yeah. Um, so, I can't say that I'm totally confident about the first game against the Brumbies. Mm-hmm. And, and so, because just remind me, what? So, did they have one of their trials went the right way, and the other one didn't? Is that how, how they worked out? Yeah, they played the Blues in Toowoomba, really. From right from the word go, they looked like being the dominant team. Some slack defence around um, the edge of the ruck and from malls. Mm-hmm. Actually, their mall defence has been, I would say, ordinary. Um, that's an area that I reckon they would have been doing a lot of work on. But then after that, they stepped into overdrive and put on a number of tries, looked really good. And the Blues didn't look like going with them. And then the Reds, you know, they almost got too full of it and started trying some things, a lot of drop ball, give the ball back to the Blues... And they scored a couple of length of field tries. Oh, well, well I'll, I'll, Scott's just cut out there, but I'll I'll cut in and and um, give my thoughts on the Reds until we can get him back. But yeah. um, look, the Reds are a classy side, and they've proven that the last two years with obviously winning the comp and then making the finals. Um, how much the loss of Scott Higginbotham affects them will be interesting to see. Um, I'm not sure they have a real adequate replacement there. Um, they've got a few guys that are around the fringes. I'm sure Scott can talk more about that. But um, certainly having Quaid back, hopefully, for the whole season and uh, when they get Genia and Hall back. And let's touch wood that their injury situation's not too bad. And, uh, look, I-, I think you'd be a fool to tip against them, com- at least being there at the business end of the Aussie Conference. Um, I'm not sure if they've got what it takes to take out the competition again. Uh, I'm not sure they're the same side they were in 2011. Mm. But uh, I'd be happy to be proven. 
Yeah, I've got the same concerns there, Hugh, uh, as you do, actually, which is around injuries with the Reds. I think, you know, you, there's some absolutely key players for them. Obviously, you know, Genia's not back yet. Um, he's got a good six to weeks out, I understand. Um, Horwell, I don't like this, this look of these kind of uh, last-minute injuries that keep cropping up. You know, I think it, at least for two or three weeks, it's been the return of Kev Horwell, which then doesn't happen. And um, that sounds a bit Rob Hornish to me. I hope it isn't, um, for all of our sakes. I mean, even the other one I'll throw in there is, you know, Quaid. You, you know, that, that knee thing, um, he's been back and gone a couple of times. Let's hope that he stays fit and healthy. But it's just those sorts of things that have got to play on your mind with some big players um, like that. So, And then, you know, you'll throw in the usual injuries that you have through. That's probably my big question uh, with the Reds. Um, there has been the coaching changes and the thing that we were talking about there with the with the defence. I mean, obviously with Tatsy Taylor moving out last season, um, I think I understand the defensive coach has been taken up by Richard Graham. Um, so a good friend of Greener Gold Rugby, but we'll see how that plays out. So I don't know, a few question marks in there. Um, uh, Scott, you just before your computer decided to crash on you there, mate, anything you wanted to kind of finish off with with the Reds? Yeah, I'd say firstly, Ben Lucas looking really good. I know mm. he's not Will Genia, but I don't see that being a real problem. He's looked very sharp. Uh, Cooper's obviously only played 60 minutes of the first trial, yep. but if a guy's got any problem worrying about his knee, he did not show it. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was looking better than he's looked, actually, in terms of confidence-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the coaching thing, Link is very much still in charge. Yeah. You know, uh, I know Richard Graham's got the title head coach and he's obviously heavily involved, but from what I've seen, Link is definitely running the show 100%. Okay. Well, let's see how... Um, we will see how it plays out. Um, probably the, you know, another big team to touch on, uh, Hugh, the Tars. Uh, what, what's your feeling? What's been happening there? Obviously, big changes. Yeah, big changes. We've got the new coach, a uh, new marquee player, um, certainly seemingly a new mentality, which will be interesting to see uh, this Thursday night against the Crusaders and then further to that next week uh, in the first round of the comp proper for them. Uh, look, Checkers, Michael Check has come in and he's been making all the right noises and, and uh, off-season seems to be a big fitness component. Um, and uh, which is, is something much needed after last year, where it was a huge problem for them. Yeah. Uh, it, it looks like um, everyone's in, in good spirits and, and the team are playing good rugby. I've seen the highlights of their two trials so far, which was a, a win over the Rebels in Hobart um, in a high-scoring game and a similar loss to the Blues in New Zealand in a, in a high-scoring game. I'm not sure you can read too much into the results there. The Blues one was a try after the siren uh, you know, it was sort of seven tries to six, I think, was the end tally. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure how much you read into that. But uh, certainly, it, it, you know, every year you say the same thing with the Waratahs. I find myself saying that this, this year you look at the team on paper and uh, at the moment um, it looks okay. I mean, there's injury concern, which is now the problem that rears its ugly head about this time. So Rob Horn's out for at least a month up to... Uh, six weeks apparently with a torn hamstring. Mm-hmm. Um, Drew Mitchell looks like he's going to be a couple of weeks uh, and Beric Barnes, but they think Barnes will be back for the season opener. And Bernard Foley has also done an ankle and the Tars depth at 10 and 12 isn't fantastic, so they need those guys to be on the field. Mm-hmm. The other talking point I suppose has been 
Israel Folau. Um, really? And, Who's talked about him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's very niche. You'll find it on the in the dark corners of rugby <laughs> mad fans. Um, but uh, apparently he has been uh, the star attraction of the two trials to date. Um, I'm not sure how much uh, you can trust those reports because I think everyone has an eye for the league convert and, and, and uh, no one else in those sort of games. But, but he, scored, uh, he scored a double in both, both games, didn't he? He scored two in Hobart and he scored one against the Blues, but okay. I think he also set up a couple of other tries mm-hmm. um, and seems to... I mean, I, I, I think the, uh, the positive to take out of that is he, he seems to have taken no time adapting back to rugby and, and the, sort of the rugby codes. Um, and so surely you'd think that uh, he'll, he'll at least be a member of the starting 15, um, which at, the, at, at last year when he signed, you'd said it be, might be doubtful. And, and, and the possibility of Wallaby, Wallaby selection seems to be not the ludicrous notion it would have been when he signed. So mm-hmm. I, I suppose that's all. So far, he's done all that you can do in two trial games, much like Checker and probably the Waratahs. You say at the moment that they've done okay, but uh, the proof will be in the pudding, and I look forward to seeing it. So it's a hell of a... well. Uh, let me put it another way. Probably the biggest question mark, I guess, I think the pack kind of picks itself. The back line, though, you, you touched on it there. There's a few gaps um, with the injuries that they've got this week, um, which hopefully should be right for the season opener. But even with them all on deck, who plays where? Um, do, do we think we've got an idea of what the number one run out back line is? Well, the number one run out back line, from what I've heard, I mean, certainly. I'm not sure where Rob Horn fits into it now. We'll take Horn out. Yeah. Nine will be Brendan McKibben. Mm-hmm. Ten was Bernard Foley. Um, Twelve will probably be Tom Carter, I'd suggest, but I think they were certainly looking to play Rob Horn there. I'm not sure what that would have been like in the main rounds or whether they would have done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam Ashley Cooper will be at 13, um, according to what Alan Gaffney has been saying. Um, 14, the wings and fullback. Um, well, where Beric Barnes fits into that, obviously, if he's fit, he'll either be playing 15 or 12. Mm-hmm. So maybe Tom Carter slash Beric Barnes at 12. And Falau, they're saying might play fullback, but also might play on the wing. So I think you you got also Lockie Turner, Drew Mitchell, and um, Peter Beetham, Tom Kingston. So they're, they're sort of outside backs, and I think three, they'll compete for those spots um, on the wing there. So, the, uh, again, yeah, it's not quite clear. And certainly the inside backs picture is a lot murkier than the outside backs where they seem to have more than they can handle. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot will be... Uh, with injuries and stuff, I'm sure it'll all clear itself out naturally. Yeah. Uh, well, they've got a bit of pace to burn out there. It, w- it will be a challenge on Falau if they're thinking about him at fullback this early. So that, that'll be interesting to see um, yeah. happen. Uh well, the first point I'd like to make yeah. on the Tars is why are we talking about them second? Didn't they come second last? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going, going north to south. North to south. Well, yes. <laughs> we, started, we started with one as the Reds. Anyway. We're just moving um, down the eastern seaboard, Scott. Don't, don't read anything into it, mate. <laughs> um, anything after I, Queensland, I thought, is, is irrelevant to you guys anyway. <laughs> can I just say, I've I got some man love for Michael Checker. I love a hard man mm. who... You know, talks about playing attacking rugby and, um, you know, just the general structure of the fact that they've put Gaffney as, I'm not sure what the exact title is, but he's in charge of first phase attack. No, 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 it's okay. Yeah. I mean, that signals that we are going to go play attacking rugby, which I'd love to see. Yeah. Um, Israel Folau, 
be very afraid, I think. I, you know, we've only, I've only seen bits and pieces of him on TV, obviously, in the highlights. But I don't think you need to look too far to see that he is going to be sensational. Mm. You think um, he's going to be more than just a leaguey convert like, uh, I, like a Tahu? I think he could be the best of the league converts. Just All you've got to do is look at his footwork. So look at the footwork as he scored that try against the Rebels. Look at the passes inside in the trial against the Blues. I just think he could be anything. And I certainly, I mean, the real test will come, obviously. And I don't want to go off too early, but I don't think Wallaby's selection is is out of the question for him at all. I think he'll be a very quick learner. I agree. I, th- I think the thing with Falau that's encouraged me, as, as you said, it's not so much the scoring of the tries, but it's the setting up tries. And that's something that very early in his rugby career, that if he's doing that, he's looking to set up the man outside or inside him, as opposed to just put his head down and try and plough over the bloke in front, which previous league converts, that's probably been their first instinct. I think that's that's can only be a good thing for the Tars. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I guess if you look at you know his pedigree, I understand he started in rugby as a kid, so he's he played a bit of rugby there, um, and then it was league, and then obviously the AFL. And I, I do wonder if the AFL kind of throws another dimension in there. Um, you know, I think a lot of the league converts we've seen. I mean, was it? I'm trying to remember. Was it Tahu who basically could only play on one side of the field? Um, you know, th- th- this sort of stuff. Um, whereas I'm, you know, in the 360 game that's a degree game that's AFL must surely give you a different view on space and you know connecting with people and things like that. So. I mean, I wonder if that, you know, all of those experiences have has kind of made him a more rounded player, maybe, in the way that he can see, see space and opportunities. Let's hope so. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there's, look, there's, there's, they, a, there's a bit more hype to throw in. There you go. They look good on paper, but as you guys have already touched on, mm. 9, 10, 12, you know, you've still got to get the ball to Falau. Yeah. Mm. It's not picking itself, is it? No. I mean, the thing that gives, uh, that gives me cause for hope is if the forward pack stays fit, you know, the old saying of the forwards deciding who wins the game and the backs by how much, at the moment it looks like we'll win games but not by very much. So let's, let's hope we can uh, keep those, especially the front row, Ben Robertson, Kepu, Pallotta now. I mean, that's, that's an international standard front row. And if they, if they can um, stay together, then hopefully we'll put some you know, good performances out. But how, and, and the one thing not to forget here is, you know, with Michael Hooper, I mean, how good a signing is that turned oh. out to be? Uh, yeah, how can um, you forget, actually? That's silly of me. I mean, you know, if there's any one guy who absolutely blew it away in the spring tour last year and didn't have a bad uh, rugby championship either, was, was that guy. Um, you know, and the, been... reports, the reports from the trials in Auckland have been very good. Mm. Apparently, he was um, probably the standout player in the... In the recent trial, so he hasn't uh, hasn't uh, put a foot wrong since the Wallabies. So that's mm. good to hear. So I mean, it's going to be fascinating to watch, right? You know, Pocock Gill hasn't obviously had the international um, exposure. You know, just there's only so many people who, who can go on tour. Um, so we haven't seen what he can do, but he's another year on, and you know, he's uh, you know, I, well, when they were last playing Super Rugby, he was an equal talent. So this is going to be a fascinating battle. Um, I mean, have you seen Gil running around, Scott? What's he looking like this year? I have. I see Lynx calling him the forgotten man. Mm. Um, I don't think he's forgotten, but I don't think he's quite up to the standard of Pocock and Hooper. Right. Um, he's good, don't get me wrong. But I, I, in the trials, I haven't seen anything outstanding from him. 
Okay. He he may be starting slow. He's a great player. Mm. I think he's a really good player, and he's you know he's obviously young. Uh, one thing that has happened with Gill, he's grown. He's really uh, got some height now. All oh, right. So uh, one thing he becomes, he becomes a line-out option, which gives you know a bit of a different look. Um, he's obviously very good at pilfering, um, but Hooper's got such attacking flair, and mm. Pocock is so good at the breakdown. Mm. I, you know, we'll get onto the Brumbies in a minute, but I can't. You know, there's been lots of reports the Brumbies have worked hard on Pocock's attacking flair. Mm. If they've been able to marry that with what he can do at the breakdown then Pocock could blow everybody away. Yeah. No, I think it's going to be a, a, that, that battle, and we always love it. I mean, it's always a great one to, you know, pour over stats and whatnot. Um, is always fascinating um, in Aussie rugby. It'd be nice if we could have a similar thing in some of the other positions. But um, so let's move on. I'll tell you what team I'm going to pick up, um, and then we can divvy out the last two between you guys, um, is the force. So I had a read of, I was just looking at some, you know, just the squads uh, earlier on today. And if there's anything that strikes you about the force, is it's just, it is the no-name team. Um, and it didn't even have, you know, last year with the Brumbies, a few of us got suckered into thinking that, you know, that th- there wasn't a lot of names there. You know, it was punctuated with the odd, you know, Wallaby. Um, you know, McCabe and um, obviously Squeaky and things like that. You look down that force list and there is no one. Um, it's... You know, it's, you know, Aussie B team, you know, at best. Um, you know, Hodgson's the captain. Don't get me wrong. These are solid players, a few of them with Wallaby caps. None of them, though, are first choice, you know, A team um, in there. You know, McCalman, Hodgson, these sorts of guys. Um, I walked away thinking, I'm just not completely, still not completely sure who they've solved the 10 problem with. Um, uh, it, it's got to feel like it's a long road um, with these guys. And the other thing that we're not sure about is, you know, it's not like the, the, the new coach, Michael Foley, left his last job on a high. Um, you know, I'd like to think we know he's a good forwards coach, so you'd like to think that things can come right. But you just look at that and you think that looks like a hard road to hoe for those guys. Um, if they can pull anything out of that, I think then they've done a fantastic job. Am, am I missing something? Either of you guys seeing some... Diamonds in the rough that I'm overlooking here. I, uh, I I made notes earlier today, and first point I made about the force is who knows. Mm. Um, I will say though that when you look down a player roster, for me, human minimum will be the Wallabies number six. So I reckon he's international standard. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people are worried about his injuries, but he's a player that comes from my club. And he's been training down at my club before he actually went to the force. Mm-hmm. And uh, lots of those injury problems have been cured. Okay. Um, through a ver- There's some various things that have happened, and I don't think you'll see him as injury-prone this year. Are you, as... saying, he's been, are you saying he's been on the peptides? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Different strength and conditioning. Um, specifically taking into account the problems he's had. And basically, he's had a very good guy called uh, Ian King working with him who has done a bit of work changing his running style. And I watched the guy you know, down on our field go from still struggling to he's not struggling. Right. So I, I think he could be one of their lead players. Uh, but really, 
they've had a lot of coaching changes. You know, all the talk is good. Um, we've got another player from our club who's over there, Angus Cottrell. Um, I hear lots of good things about the pre-season. I hear lots of good things about the squad coming together. But I don't know. I, it just, as you say, there's you look through the roster and it sort of has a Brumbies feel to it from way back when. Mm. You know, lots of guys who've come, you know, and like Sam Norton Knight still to come in, still playing in Japan, isn't he, and coming in in March. You know, yeah. they've sort of they brought together guys from all over the place. Mm. Great job if they can pull those together. Mm. Yeah, look, I, I, I wouldn't add too much to what you guys have said. I do agree. I think uh, it's a sort of a journeyman side with a few nice... Good youngsters, a guy like C.S. Everson, be interesting to see how he goes. Albie Matthewson from New Zealand. Uh, I think they'll surprise a few teams. I think they'll come up and win games you don't expect them to win. But at the same time, I, I can't see them getting too far off the bottom of the ladder. I just think they'll struggle for consistency um, against the really good teams. I don't think they've got enough quality uh, in, in any part of their team to really take it to the to the uh, top guys on a consistent basis. Mm. Yeah. Well, anyway, I mean, they're always a, they always, you know, struggle manfully, but it always seems it always falls apart by the end of the the season. Just a few injuries, and then you know the cupboard's well and truly bare. Let's hope they prove us all wrong and have a cracker, because um, uh, we need the conference to do better this year. Um, but yeah, it's uh, looking a little bleak for the force. Um, so, last two teams. Uh, how about Baba? Talk us through the Rebels, mate. Um, are they going to bring this? constellation of stars together or what? Well, uh, I'm not sure. Look, uh, they've made some astute buys, obviously, over the off-season, well, last year with Scott Higginbotham being the main one to come through. And they've picked up a few interesting international signings too, one being a Japanese hooker, Shota Hori, who's been named on the bench for their upcoming game. Um, And I'm just trying to pull up that team now, which is um, still are pretty much the same side that they were fielding last year. There's not too many changes in terms of the run on 15. Mm-hmm. That front row still is a bit of a weak point for them. Um, Laurie Weeks and Nick Henderson, I'm not quite sure, are front line super rugby props. I'd, I'd be happy to be proved wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and guys like Jed Robinson, you know, they're, they're solid super players, but I'm, I'm not sure how much they can really improve on previous years. Um, they're playing Kurtley Beale at 10 and James O'Connor at 15 this can, week, which I can, is interesting. I can interesting. hear Scott surely shaking his head in the background. <laughs> yeah, they've, and uh, they've got a few injuries to guys out wide. Um, Cooper Vuna's out for a bit and um, Woodward, who's another one of the... Jason Woodward, I think his name is, one of their uh, New Zealand signings, uh, NPC player. He's also injured. They've got a good enough side to break into the top 10 this year, especially if Beal and O'Connor stay fit. Gareth Delves, another one that they really rely on. Hugh Pyle and Luke Jones would be good to watch this year as well. But I'm, I'm just, again, I think they've just got some key weaknesses that uh, might prevent them from really competing to get into those final six um, so I'd be thinking that they'll continue to improve on the last couple of years and they'll be pushing eighth or ninth, hopefully. Mm-hmm. But um, again, injuries to the, to the key players and it could go downhill fast. So uh, did I, was I on the money there, Scott? Were you shaking your head when, as you saw Beal at 10 and O'Connor at 15? Well, I'll surprise you. No. Um, no. I think for the Rebels, that's the, probably the right combination. Okay. Um, 
I mean, I would love to see, for the Rebels, Beale at 10 and O'Connor at 12. But that doesn't, the balance is wrong for them. Um, yes, I'd be happy to see, you know, O'Connor at uh, 10 and Beale at 15. But I actually think for the Rebels and at super rugby level, Kirtley Bills, you know, he'll do very well at 10. Right. Uh, I think international rugby is a different scenario. Um, but no, no, I actually think that's the right balance in their back line with what they've got. In terms of their front row, I see that as a weakness as well. Although I would say if Laurie Weeks is fit, he has the potential to be a very good tight head. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen him do some very good things. The, you know, hooker, I think hooker's a problem for the Rebels. I really do. I know, you know, it's great to have the first Japanese player in Super Rugby. I watched uh, Shota Hori play in the ITN Cup and I wasn't impressed. Um, and, you know, I think that's a weakness for them. Uh, Nick Hederson, well, I think he'll get tailed up by a lot of good tight heads in Super Rugby. Mm. But I think they've got a good back five. You know, the, the very fact that they can leave... Uh, I think they've got Neville on the bench, haven't they? Yeah. Or, you know, that's a pretty good back five when you can leave Cade and Neville on the bench. Yeah. Uh, and I know the other guys are playing well. So I just think the front row... So it's scrum time they could have some problems. Um, and apart from Beale and O'Connor, does the back line really give you any concern? I Probably not. Mm. Yeah, the, the centre pairing of Rory Sidey and Mitch Inman. I think Mitch Inman's a good player for the future. Rory Sidey is just that sort of super super rugby journeyman who can do a job and is you know a decent enough player to to um, you know not disgrace himself at that level. But uh, is he a sort of a really going to excel? Is he going to is he going to score tries? Is he going to make breaks? I'm I'm not quite sure. You know, he's been to the Tars and then he's been to the Force and then he's been now to the Rebels in three straight years. And um, look, he he seems like a decent bloke, so I wish him all the best. But I'm still sceptical as to whether he can really, you know, spearhead a, a decent backline. Yeah. Well, a lot, a lot with the Rebels to me, you know, and you look at their scoreline says, you know, when they oscillate from beating the Crusaders to beating done by 30 points is, you know, he's got to be mental. Um, and I thought, you know, obviously last year they finally got the monkey off their back and uh, he's now he's now in, in England uh, getting uh, tossed around teams there. Um, you know, uh, I think that had a big influence on things. So, I mean, maybe with that and there's a bit more of a team spirit, Delvey's a great player and a great captain. Um, and the big signing Higginbotham as well in the back row. Yeah, exactly. He, he, he you know, he's um, he's kind of flying under the radar at the moment, having been out of international eyes and stuff like that. So it, it'll be uh, anyway. It'll be interesting to see if they can pull that all together. Because if they can, they might surprise a few people. So that will be an interesting one. Um, the team that I think is going to be really interesting to watch, though, next, um, and I think especially from what they're doing with coaching, is the Brumbies. Um, what have you got? What do you make of them, Scott? I think they, well, my view is they'll top the Australian Conference. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a really solid-looking team. Um, they, you know, they've had a different trial program, though. You know, they've gone with a game against the Force in Darwin, mm-hmm. and then they've played an ACT, effectively a club team put together. You know, they haven't had a lot of hard rugby going in, but they've picked up 
David Pocock. You know, which you add that to what they had last year. You know, they've got most of the guys back. Interesting to see Clyde Rathbone starting. What yes. a great story that is. Yeah, amazing. But uh, I, I think, as I said, I think they'll they'll win the Australian Conference. Mm. I'm, I think they're going to be a very good team. You know, really good coaching setup. Um, and when we were up at the Reds trial against the Blues in Toowoomba, in the door walked uh, Jake White, Laurie Fisher, and Stephen Larkham. Um, so they, on their way back from Darwin, had stopped into Brisbane, come up to Toowoomba for the night to have a look at the game. So, you know, they're a really good package. And then add to that, they've picked up Ron Smith to do their defensive work out of the NRL. Mm. So I, I think they look really strong. Yeah. I, I'm interested that Jake White has said, you know, very clearly in the, in the press that Leo Lafano, they don't see him as their 10, they see him as their 12. Mm-hmm. I know they've got to Moore, and he's a good player. You know, I would love to have seen Leo Lafano at 10 because I think he's a real talent and mm-hmm. could have done... Tamana's... Sorry. Tamura is, is you know, also a good talent, um, and he probably can't play 12 as well. So, again, for the Brumbies, I can understand why they're doing that. But I think if they had Leo Lafano at 10, I think they could do anything. And under Stephen Larkham's tutelage, those two guys at 10 or 12, depending who's injured, that could set the world alight. Yeah. I can kind of see, I mean, you know, uh, you know, guys like uh, Stephen Larkham and uh, Jake White calling the shots on who they see as a 10-12 is probably a better recommendation than me. But um, I can definitely see... Where some of their thinking there, though, is in that, you know, Lilio Lafano to me seems like one of those guys, and I know that you can have that in a 10 as well, but he seems most comfortable, it looks like to me, you know, making that kind of direct uh, run at the line. And I know that's a good thing to have in a, potentially have in a 10 as well. I mean, you know, Bernie had that, didn't he? He was always opposing that threat. Um, but I can also see then maybe how they think that's, you know, on balance suited towards 12. And who was the other guy? Remember last year when they went through just about everybody in the team? There was the, who Zach was the Holmes. Zach Holmes. Is he still there? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Because yeah. he, was, he wasn't a schmuck either. I mean, you know, he, he was thrown in at the deep end, but he, he showed a, um, a few glimpses. Um, yeah. Well, I can't wait to watch the Brumbies this year. I, th- I think they're the, they're the team I'm, uh, apart from obviously the Waratahs, but yeah. they're, they're the team I'm really looking forward to watching because they've kept the core of that side from last year. Except with the addition of a guy like David Pocock, they've had once again the same long lead-in preseason, with really only a couple more guys going overseas than was last year, because you know they still fl- flew under the radar in terms of Wallaby selection. So you, you you've got to expect a very similar result in those early weeks and throughout the season as they had last year, and hopefully where they the pressure got sort of a bit in those last few weeks. This year they're a year older, they've been there before and they can hopefully take that extra step and put forward a good showing into the finals. Yeah. And I'm especially looking forward to seeing some of those young players how they go in the second year of starting full-time. Nick White will be great to watch. Jesse Mogg, I mean, Leah Lafano's been around a little bit longer, but he'll be great to see. Um, Robbie Coleman um, in the pack, a guy like Sam Carter, Scott Fardy. All these guys are, will be... Um, Fantastic to see how they go around again, and, and I'm with Scott. I'm tipping them to take out the Aussie Conference this year. Okay. I think this is going to be their year. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, what I've loved, the noises that I've heard coming out of, uh, you know, Laurie Fisher has, you know, been very much, you know, he was up front. I can't remember if it was on the podcast or just conversing with him on, or hearing him or reading him speak on Twitter um, about saying how they felt they got some basics right last year, but they really re- recognised their deficiency in some of their attacking play, and that's what they've been working on. Um, you know, adding that extra, you know, or another dimension to their play. Um, so, you know, hearing someone say, you know, usually you hear the crap, which is, oh, we're all, it's all good, we just got to work on a few little things. And he was like, no, you know, there were, very obviously there were things we didn't get right, and so that's what we've been working on. Um, it's just such a refreshing attitude and kind of gives you heart that, you know, nothing wasn't an accident and, you know, everything was worked towards and now they're talking about making the next step. Um, which is probably then why, so you guys have both gone with the Brumbies. I don't see a lot of reason to challenge you on that. I've just brought up the latest odds here. I'm not going to say who it's with. Uh, we're not plugging anybody. Um, but it's with a big betting site. And the teams in the Aussie Conference, they've got the Brumbies at 11s, the Reds also at 11s, uh, the Tars at 15s, uh, the Rebels at uh, 51 um, to one, and the fourth at a hundred and fifty-one to one. So not just a hundred and fifty to one, but a hundred and fifty-one to one. Is um, this to win the Aussie Conference? No, sorry, this is to win the Grand Final. Um, so I let me see if I can pick up. Well, I, I reckon they've got the right order to win the Aussie Conference. As well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess but, that I guess that's got to be. But but the fact that they've got the Brumbies and the Reds at the same odds, again, I agree with that because I think that's going to be a ding-dong battle and I reckon both of them can get into the tops, into the semi-finals. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think the one thing that works in the Brumbies' favour, um, that barring any major selection changes in Robbie Deans's mind, I think the Brumbies will be keeping their team uh, together through the, the Lions series. They won't lose too many key players, whereas the Reds, the Tars, and even you know even the, the Rebels might lose the, the core of their side, some really key players that will leave them, leave them with nothing much left. The Brumbies, well, they might lose Steve Moore, they might lose a guy like Nick White, uh, and they'll lose Pocock, obviously. But, and um, Alexander. I, I th- ben Alexander. Um, and look, they might lose a lot if, if their pre-season form, their early season form is really good. But I still think they they can they proved last year that they can survive without the wall their Wallaby sort of players. Actually, they don't have that many, and uh, hopefully that that's where they might go ahead of the other Aussie sides in those few weeks that around the Lions series. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I hope they lose Dan Palmer as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could tell players. I hope they that go. Please so. <laughs> put him in the Wallabies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we've only got a little bit of time left before he's he's off, right? So he's um, oh. off to the Northern Hemisphere after that. It's a tragedy. That is. I just shook my head. I couldn't believe it. Um, I, I hope you had some conversations with people because I know, well, we know, um, having talked to the Aussie uh, forwards coach in the past, that um, he was highly rated. And I think it was probably only injury that kept him out. So. I, I just can't believe that we are we're giving up our tight heads. Mm. You know, well, they're sought they're sought after the world over, mate. <laughs> yes, I know they are, but doesn't that tell us anything? We should fight tooth and nail and pay them what we have to pay them to keep them. Yeah, 
<laughs> no, we don't have a lot that we would say are kind of renowned for their scrummaging. And well, I, I kind well, of feel we have. Well, like then let's one. play the ones we do. Oh uh, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy, isn't it? But I mean, this is um, in case anyone doesn't know what we're talking about. Dan Palmer and I was gobsmacked when I read it. Um, uh, I kind of went off on one on Twitter, and everyone said, "Yeah, we all knew that a couple of days ago." But he's off to. I'm trying to remember now. Is it France? Grenoble. Grenoble. Yeah. Grenoble in France. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, um, not, obviously not, you know, the season after this one. Um, so, uh, wow. Anyway. Uh, and as I was just alluding to, probably the only reason why he wasn't in the green and gold, I would have thought the last international season was just because he was injured. So why he f- feels he wants to go overseas right now, I'm not completely sure. Um Maybe he comes back a year later, a better, uh, even an even better scrummager. Who knows? Um, well, can I just? I, I don't agree with you. Mm. The, the only, when he goes to France, the only thing he will work on is his scrummaging. In France, they don't make their props be ball players or attacking, you know, ball carriers. Mm. So he will get better at scrummaging. His only everything that everybody criticises him for is. He, well, I used to hear he was called a pot plant. Mm. He, I don't hear that anymore, but he's not as mobile as some of our other tight heads, if you call them that. He's not going to get better around the park in France. He's going to get better at scrummaging. Mm. But, you know, if, if, if his problem, if he's, the reason he's not getting selected for the Wallabies has been he's not mobile enough, he doesn't do enough work, that isn't going to get better in France. Yeah. He'd, you know... So we needed to keep him and do whatever had to be done in whatever team it had to be to improve on his mobility around the park. Yeah. Because he's, I think, he's clearly the best tight head we've got. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I was just trying to uh, find some sort of uh, uh, you know, silver lining on that cloud, but um, I would agree uh, that it would be much better to still have him here. And so... Interesting, <laughs> interesting. To, I mean, it'd be great to get him on. Actually, have a chat with him about that. So we might see if we can get him onto the podcast. Um, That's a great idea. Um, and see what his choices were and why he felt he wanted to go and do that. Um, so, uh, but you guys asked about what did the odds look like as far as topping the Aussie conference? And from the same website, it's got the Brumbies and the Reds both at three to one, the Tars at uh, three point two five to one. So not a lot of difference there. Then the Rebels at nines and the Force at 21. Uh, that match just to top the uh, uh, Aussie Super Rugby Conference. Um, we, we touched on something, Bubba. You talked about, and I, it's one of the issues that's floating around, which is this potential Wallabies three-week suspension running into the Lions. Um, it's going to get uh, some coaches hot under the collar by the looks of things. Um, what's, what's the issue? Well... It hasn't been confirmed, but obviously there's been rumour floating around that Robbie Deans will insist on some form of resting uh, key players for the Lions series uh, in the three weeks leading up to the start of that uh, those games. Mm-hmm. I think obviously the idea would be, you know, short-term pain for long-term gain in the sense that you're prioritising a Lions series, which is obviously a one in twelve-year event, and everyone remembers the result, you know, long in for long centuries to come uh, rather than, you know, three weeks of a super rugby competition, um, which though important to the teams in the grand scheme of things, I can understand is probably not the most pressing concern for Australian rugby. So it's going to be an interesting sort of uh, face-off and ultimately I think, yeah, you will probably uh, 
if this is indeed what Deans wants to do, that, that it'll probably happen. Um, I think it probably needs to be some form of uh, management of around key players, especially ones that are carrying injury. I can see that where through the first half of this season, I think they'll be a little bit more cautious putting a guy like Wycliffe Parley, for example, into a game where, where he's carrying a bit of a niggling injury or he's 50-50. I think they'll hopefully be looking to rest them around those tests and, and save them for the for the big show in the, in the middle of the year. But mm. I, I think there's a lot more to come out of that and then there'll be a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, words flying back and forth between the uh, the franchises and, and the RU. So that'll be something to look forward to. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, because <laughs> obviously the Waratahs have got a great history of resting play as well um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> over, over the last few seasons. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting now. I mean, maybe... Hopefully there'll be maybe a bit of sense um, injected into it as far as you know taking players from teams that still have a shot um, at finals versus others who don't. Um, but um, that what? that that opens another can of worms in itself, doesn't it? So I reckon there's two sides to the argument. Mm. I reckon the first side is, as you say, teams that are in contention for the finals rob them of their players, and realistically, that's probably the Waratahs suffer the most. Because I think the week before, or the, sorry, the, the week that they're talking about, the three-week camp, the first week would take it could take as many as ten or twelve of the Waratahs starting fifteen out of their lineup. I can't remember who they're playing. Are they playing the Force or the Rebels? It's one of the two. Right. But you know, in that you're looking and saying, well, that's about worrying about super franchise. Um. Okay, they're talking about taking the Reds players out on the same weekend to play the Lions. And I think the Reds' argument is we won't get as good a crowd as we would have if we had everyone. They're both about you know, the damage you will do to the franchise. I think the other side of the argument, and sorry, to get back to that side, yes, I understand they have to make dollars, it's, you know, they have to make finals, that's all important. I can sympathise with the fact that the Wallabies come first in that argument mm-hmm. for both the Reds and probably the Tars who are most affected. The other side of the argument, is it good to take your Wallabies out of playing so that they won't have played a game in three weeks before they play the first test against the Lions? And I thought it was really interesting this week. Robbie Deans wrote an article where he commented that in 2007 when the All Blacks did this play management and pulled players out. When they came back to the Crusaders having had their rest period, they had lost all the rhythm of playing. And yet, and he, they had the same thing. It was three weeks. So he complained, or he said it didn't work then. They came back to the Crusaders after three weeks of not playing and they lost all their rhythm and it took them a couple of weeks to get back to rhythm. And yet they're talking about taking these guys out of playing rugby for three weeks and their first game will be the first test against the Lions. And honestly, if you haven't played for three weeks, you must lose some of that rhythm, you know, combinations. You can do everything you like in training. You cannot replicate what happens in the game. And that's what they're talking about doing. So quite apart from the fact there's the risk of injury, there's the risk that the Lions see somebody like, say, a, a Genia, you know, and they get to play against him so they get used to how he works from the base of the ruck. I understand all that. That makes perfect sense. But three weeks without a game of rugby, 
that doesn't make sense to me. No. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's kind of been proven time and again, hasn't it, that actually it's not necessarily a, 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 a great thing. Um, so, so, I mean, why don't they have them train from Monday to Thursday with the Wallabies so they're working on combinations, then go back and play your game? Yeah, well, as a compromise. It's only one week, and then they'd have two weeks without rugby. Yeah. But, but they will come off a game... I think that would be beneficial for the Wallabies, but it doesn't seem like that's the way it's going to go because Paul has said clearly he will back up whatever the Wallabies coach wants. And, you know, fair enough, he's about the ARU rather than the super franchises. Mm-hmm. So just just while we, I, 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 this is going to sound really... Um, uh, pre, oh, hang on, I think I'm answering my own question here. I was just looking at the... Uh, yeah, I was just looking at the, uh, the the timetable. I was just the timetable I had didn't have the uh, the rugby championship schedule in there as well. So I was wondering how the hell that was working. But yeah, I found it now. Um, yeah, so it, it's the, the whole uh, it's a, it's one hell of a packed year of rugby, really, isn't it? Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see how things go, especially with the injuries we ended up with by the end of last year. Um, having said that, you know, with three weeks to go, um, you know, I'm not sure how many. You know, with that amount of rugby being played before and after, um, just by the laws of averages, that shouldn't be saving us too much time or too many injuries. So, um, but do we think it's a worry that we haven't even started playing Super Rugby yet, and already we've got um, Hall, Barnes, Horn? Who else? We've got a number of Wallabies that are already injured. Yeah. Have you guys heard reports about the? The All Blacks have got a number of their guys injured, or the Springboks have got a number of their guys injured. I haven't. Well, actually, oddly, oddly enough, you said I agree with you. Your broad point. I'd say the only saving grace is we haven't had any guys go down with season-ending injuries yet, and you, Corey Jane, has. Um, but he's the only one I can True. think of off the top of my head. So I suppose you've just got to, you know, give thanks for for the little things like that. But I agree with you. I think it is worrying still that. That they, uh, you know, we've already lost three or four guys, even for for small amounts of time. But it just shows that there are cracks there, and you you think that's going to get worse rather than better with the introduction of proper rugby. Yeah, yeah, and and so and that counters my argument where Robbie Deans is worried about them playing too many games. So, you know, who knows? But gee, it's 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 tough, isn't it? Which way do you go? Let them play or not let them play? Are they going to get injured? Yeah, I, 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 I tend to think if I think the argument can't really be about injury. I think it's got to be more about time together as a as an Australian unit because I think you know even at training, if you're training at a decent pace, I know it's not a game, but you know we still see our guys getting injured there. So, and it's only a couple of you know we're only talking about a couple of games out. So, I tend to think that the argument isn't really about saving injuries so much as you know having you know, time as a group together, I guess. But in the end, it still has the same effect as that if they get taken out of their teams, they could really cruel, you know, one of the uh, franchises, especially if they have a, a shot. Um, like I think you were admitting, you think the Tars will do um, there, Scott. Um, but can I assure you that time together in training is not as beneficial as guys playing rugby? Sure. Yep. Um yeah. Sorry, 
Hugh, are you going to throw something? Oh, no, I was, just, I was just agreeing. No arguments there. And it'll be interesting to see what they come up with, whether the, uh, the, it's a middle ground or I think if Dean's will get his way, I think they'll probably is? be... Do you know what the solution is? Uh, have a Australia A, a Barbarians game with, against the Wallabies before. Hey, I don't know. perfect. That'll do. Somebody. <laughs> Let's play somebody. Yeah. Whether it's ourselves or whatever. Let's play a game as the Wallabies and let's play together. Yes. That would be perfect. Yeah. And, and I, I would support that 100%. It just is this the is this three week period? Is that the only period uh, that the Wallabies will have together before the Lions from from now that we know of? Well, they said they said when they had their preseason, they had that one day where forty odd of them went in and got their photos taken. Mm. That these would be perennial things through the season. But in terms of spending time as a squad, actually on the field, you know, training, I think that's probably going to be it. I think there'll be a few little meet-up sessions and mm. and uh, here and there, but I can't see them actually training, especially with the control that the super coaches have. Yeah, well, yeah, as usual. I mean, you know, that's the nice thing about the Lions for them. Um, you know, they've got a test match uh, through hon- honkers on the way here. I mean, it's not. A te- I mean, I think it's the Barbarians, isn't it? Uh, and they've got their dirt trackers on the way, so um, you know that they, you know, they get what we don't have there. So um, it is a bit of a concern, and it would make that idea of giving our guys some sort of a run out, you know, make some sense. We usually, you know, our first test back is usually an absolute shocker, as we've seen recently um, against the, the likes of Samoas and Scotland's. Um, right. So let's. Uh, so okay, let's let's moving on. Staying with the uh, talk about um, uh, the you know organisation with the with the ARU, um, we've now got um, you know a new CEO of the ARU, um, John Pulver. Just uh, weeks into the Bill job. Pulver. Bill Pulver. Sorry, <laughs> you're already making enemies here. Come on, we've got to stay on side. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Bill O'Neill. Um, sorry, did I say that? Um, yeah, it's uh, only just weeks in the job. Um, but some interesting bits kind of um, leaking through. Uh, I, I know, first of all, Scott, you've got a few sniffs that you're picking up about the high-performance unit, which has also changed since we, I think, last had a podcast, did it not? Yeah, so obviously um, David Nusifora, who was the head of the HPU, resigned and has moved on. Um, what I'm hearing from some well-placed sources is that whilst they've considered it, they don't have a shortlist. They're a long way from actually getting a shortlist at the moment. Uh, I mean, I would have thought that was critical to get that position filled, but I'm hearing that they're a long way away from that. I'm also hearing that the existing staff within the high-performance unit which includes the academies, etc., um, are basically all moving sideways into different positions, um, and that Bill Pulver is not happy with the performance of the whole unit. And so, regardless of what positions people put themselves into, that will be very that will be undone very quickly. Um, specifically, I'm hearing that the under twenties coaches will come from within the existing HPU. So that includes academy coaches, um, the existing under-20s coaches, 
Um, and realistically, given the fact that we're so close to that, unless they advertised basically the day that Nussie pulled the pin um, and appointed somebody already, they have to use the existing guys because I understand New Zealand have already run their first camp. And I, I know the Australians are running camps, but it hasn't been announced who their coach is yet. So realistically, they've got to use the existing guys. And, and that's, so that's what I'm hearing will be the under-20s coach. We'll just run with who we've got. People will effectively fill this role for one year. Mm. But uh, I'm hearing that Bill Pulver is not happy with performance of a lot of the HPU guys. Mm. A, I love the idea that he's not happy with the performance of the high-performance unit. Um, <laughs> something nice and circular about that. Well, it's interesting. He, he made his, uh, what well, I suppose you'd call it his inaugural address, or certainly that I've heard, to the Melbourne Rebels season launch uh, this week and uh, certainly made all the right noises in, from what I've heard of the, of the speech, from the excerpts I've read, uh, looking to uh, return the Wallabies to their sort of halcyon days of running rugby and scoring tries and kicking ass all over the planet. So mm. that's certainly one good thing. And he, he uh, also spoke about the third tier coming back, which was the uh, which was another good thing to hear. So he, he, look, you can't uh, obviously judge him on on what he says. You've got to judge him on what he does. But he's only been in a couple of weeks. So as far as an indicator of how his tenure is going to be, I think it's certainly a good one. Well, I mean, this, they, they were two interesting statements. I mean, I think the first one, obviously, uh, where he used words like, you know, smart running rugby, um, was, you know, considering that that's in, you know, direct contravention with what's been happening, um, you know, with, with, with the international teams, pretty interesting, you know, as we all know, and we've, all, we've gone on in this podcast endlessly about it, um, where it was quite obvious that there was a, you know, a decision made that we weren't going to play attacking rugby um, and it was far from um, smart, intelligent um, or running in any way. So, um, you know, that's an interesting statement that's been laid down. Um, and then I think the second one, I think I, I think I remember reading in the, in the forum somewhere, Scott, you picked up on his comments about um, the third tier, if I've got that right. Yeah, so what, what he has said is now that he sees the future of the third tier being run by the Super Rugby franchises and their academies, which makes sense. You've got a, a, a genuine third tier. But we don't have any Super Rugby Academy players at the moment. We've got, we've got a National Rugby Academy that um, is based in Sydney and Brisbane, and they the, the franchises have no control over those. They can call players up and... I know that today the Reds have called up a player out of the National Rugby Academy for a game that's happening on Thursday night between what is effectively Queensland A and the National Rugby Academy. But the the ARU runs the academy. And Bill Pulver has made it very clear that he thinks the best thing to happen is that the Super Rugby franchises run academies in each state. That's a that's a that's how it used to be, but it's a distinct change from what David Nusafora had put in place, and that effectively was his little baby was that they were going to centralise control. Bill Pulver has made it very clear in his statements that he believes the best model is the Super Rugby franchises have their own academy. So, 
And then he has said that he thinks that's the basis of the third tier. So that would mean that you'd have five teams, one for each franchise, basically playing off, you know, home and away. So I imagine it would be something, and this is not confirmed, but I imagine it would be something like, you know, before the Super Rugby game, the franchises play each other. That gives you, uh, what, eight games a year? You might then have them play another couple. You might even have them play a final series. So you, you might be able to get something between eight and 12 games a year for a third tier. That, uh, that's not a bad model. You know, you've got semi-professional rugby players, the next tier down from super rugby, playing against each other, um, the best of the, the next best. So that's interesting. Well, I, I know that academy, that, that's one of the gripes that players have about academies, isn't it? It's just, just endless training. Um, and, you know, which is what kind of, you know, not what any rugby player really signs up for. Um, yet, you know, that's obviously what you need to go through. So I guess what you're talking about there is something that helps to answer that gripe anyway. Yeah. So, for example, this next Thursday night, sorry, this Thursday night, the National Academy, which is the AAU Academy, a combination of Brisbane and Sydney, are playing um, the Queensland A team, which is basically made up of the guys that are in what's called the Reds College, so the guys outside the 35 that the Reds have, mm-hmm. together with a couple of guys who are in the EPS. Um, and so there's a game this Thursday night between the ARU Academy and the Reds 15. Um, then you have the Queensland Academy, well, sorry, it's called the uh, the Reds College, I think it is, are playing a game, sorry, they're playing three games against, I think it's Samoa A, Fiji A and Tonga A over the next month. So there are still, you know, these sort of, if we call them third-tier games going on, but the problem is that we've got academies run by the ARU and academies, if, you know, they're not really academies because they're not allowed to be. We've got, I think, we've got the Bankwest College in Western Australia. We've got the TARS have got, I think it's a wider training group. The Reds have called theirs the Reds College. So each franchise has really got a bit of an academy running, even though they're not paying players. And then you've got the ARU who are paying players to operate in Brisbane and Sydney, supposedly to feed into Super Rugby, and yet the Super Rugby franchises have said, we don't like that model. Mm. We want control and we want our own academies. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a, it's a bit of a legacy there that I think everyone is accepting is, is going to disappear, isn't it? Yeah, and maybe that's the reason Nussie resigned, because that was his little baby. Yeah. Well, yeah, so so big changes there, and we know it's something that um, it's something Link's talked about many, many times as just being unworkable. Um, you know, if he's going to be restricted on squad size, then he's you know to, to then not even have his own pool of players that he can reach into. Um, and I think his point as well was that aren't necessarily young players. You know, they just need to. You know, he actually wants a mix of seasoned and. Um, up-and-coming players that he can kind of go to. So I think that National Academy thing was just never going to work um, from that perspective. So you can see why he's um, why he's gone and done that. Um, 
Uh, I'm just so just kind of running through the other key things we 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 had to talk about. Um, I just remembered we actually asked people uh, for their predictions, um, and I, I think what I'll say is because there are no South African and New Zealand teams pl actually playing this weekend, maybe we'll save the kind of our previews and thoughts on what's going to happen with them um, till next weekend, uh, till next week to the to the next podcast. But there was um, there's some interesting uh, sort of. Uh, suggestions that came in. Um, the one that I thought was um, interesting, and just harks back to the conversation we're having here. I mean, they're all interesting, but the one that really jumped out to me was from um, is, um, "It Is What It Is" from the forum. And he, the thing he wanted to bring up here was the first clash between the Reds and the Tars. Uh, he's saying it's going to be an absolute cracker. Um, he says, "I predict it will be a throwback to the old state clashes." Um, Checker will send his mob out fit and hard. In, in, and playing in your face um, with abrasive rugby. Um, he's saying that uh, I think, you know, Link isn't going to be ambushed by this. He'll realise um, exactly what it means and how important it will be to winning the Aussie conference to, to doing this. Um, these clashes are usually uh, big ones, but this kind of feels like it's, you know, even more poignant this year, is it not? Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, I can't wait. It, it's... It's, um, I don't know, the rivalry's just really developed between, I mean, obviously over the last hundred years, but I think in the last few years, there's just been a little a bit of an increase in the feeling, especially, you know, the the first game last year where uh, Queensland won it on the bell, um, which which I think is going to hopefully motivate a lot, a lot of the tasks to sort of avenge those demons. Um, hopefully, James Hall will be back for the Reds. And uh, both both sides can play almost full strength teams, and with what you know, line selection on the line, these games count for so much more. Yeah. Uh, I think even in a regular year, yes, you're probably competing for Bledisloe spots, but they're, you know, that's in August and and later in the year. But with the Lions season smack bang in the middle of the the Super season, every single clash is going to count for it. So yeah, I, I agree, it's going to be a ripper. Yeah. Um, yep. And, and this actually probably leads me on to, because I think there are a few other sort of uh, subtext to this. So uh, one of the things I wanted just to bring up was on Monday night, um, I and um, a few other sort of green and gold regulars, so Lindoma um, and uh, uh, Cyclopath, I think it was Braveheart, and then also Badger from the forum, um, we all rocked up to the um, Rugby Business Networking event, um, which is down at the Sydney Rugby Club. Um, and there were, I think there was probably about 50 or 60 got people there um, from all walks of the business life in Sydney. The one thing in common was that they were either involved or just love rugby. Um, and the, and the, I think they've had a number of these now. It's the second uh, Monday of every month that they're running them. But I also know that they're running them in other states. So I do know they've run one in uh, Melbourne. Do you know, have you heard of one happening in in Brisbane, Scott? No, the uh, rugby club here went broke. <laughs> I had heard about that, um, but anyway, so there's maybe an opportunity there for somebody. Um, I know the uh, it works very well for the uh, rugby club, the Sydney rugby club, and that it obviously gets people in there um, sinking piss and party players on, on a Monday night. Um, but um, just getting a bit of interference there. Um, but uh, and it was good. But the speaker this weekend, uh, or this week, I should say, was um, uh, Greg Groudon, uh, ex Sydney Morning Herald chief rugby correspondent, 
um, I think now he's at ESPN. Um, he gave a really interesting speech, but th sorry, the reason I was bringing all of this up in the first place was that uh, he was asked the question about, uh, you know, Wallaby coach um, and, you know, who now, who next, this sort of thing. Um, he had some interesting things to say. Um, one of them was obviously that there seemed to, in his perception, there was a um, anyone but McKenzie sort of sentiment that built up um, in and around St. Leonard's um, prior to, to Bill Pulver turning up, um, uh, and we, which he thought was very interesting, uh, which obviously then also got a lot of people talking about, you know, Checker even before he's coached um, a game. Um, asked who he thought then would most probably be the next Wallaby coach. He said, I can't give you a lot of rationale behind it, but a real smoky for him is Jake White. Um, so, some, you know, some, some interesting uh, perspectives there from a guy who's got a lot of contacts and talks to people pretty regularly. Um, but I think, and the reason why I brought all of this up was that obviously makes this subtext. You know, any time one of these teams plays each other, whether it's the, you know, Mc, you know, McKenzie's Reds against Checkers Tars or Jake White's Brumbies, there's obviously another story going on here. So. Um, these Aussie clashes that we're going to have, um, uh, you know, are only going to get more intense. You'd have to feel over this next year. Um, let's hope it doesn't lead to the sort of Aussie derbies we got used to last year, though. Yeah, well, can I? You two guys, you know, Tars fans, obviously. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you've you've started talking about round two. Round one is the Reds v Brumbies, but mm. I'm going to give you the reason. Why I think the Reds will beat the Waratahs in round two. Go on then. Yep, because they'll lose the Brumbies in round one. <laughs> It'll be the <laughs> and, bounce back. <laughs> and they will have had an extra week of Super Rugby compared mm. to the Tars. So I actually think that you know the trials. I know the Tars are playing actually three trials, and that's that's good. I think the fact that the Reds will have gone through one battle-hardened week will count for them in round two. The Tars, that'll be their first game. Um, I think the Reds will get over them, home game, etc. But, as I said, the whole basis of that is that I think the Brumbies will beat the Reds. I'm a Reds fan, obviously, but I think the Brumbies will beat the Reds in round one and the Reds will be fired up for round two. Okay. There you go. Well, um, I'm not hot on uh, uh, kind of predictions, <laughs> game predictions. This you know, this far out, I've seen them play, but we, we'll see. I am going to be up uh, at Suncor for that that clash, um, so I'm looking forward to it and uh, hoping. I've like, heard that rumor. Hoping like crazy that you're wrong. Um, yeah. But can I can I just can I just add to that that I I actually predicted that Ireland would beat England, and I thought. <laughs> um, I think I've, the last three predictions I've made on Twitter have all gone wrong. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, in, um, in that case, I'm going with that. Um, probably the the only other. Well, there's actually a couple of other little bits of news um, which are kind of I would put it in the media uh, box at the moment. The boxing. Um, so, Quade Cooper has proven his uh, boxing credentials. Has he? Um, yes. 
I, I know you watched it, Scott. Uh, I thought that was a funny story you had there about uh, the press box in uh, in Toowoomba. No, well, it was on the Sunshine Coast, but oh, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, so uh, Steve Timms, Timsey, and I both went up to watch the, the the trial against the Chiefs on the Sunshine Coast, and we're sitting in the pros, press box, and Timsey, somebody sent him a hacked link to the um, the fight, so we got the video up on his laptop, and from basically a minute before the time the start fight had until it was all over. Which is so that's it, four minutes in total. Oh, maybe three. <laughs> but three or four. The entire press box was crowded around Timsey's laptop watching the fight. No <laughs> yeah. nobody was watching the rugby. And yeah. I'm guilty of that. If they'd score if somebody had scored a try, I couldn't have told you what happened because <laughs> we were all focused on Timsey's laptop, but the entire press box were watching it. But I'm no boxing expert, but he, there, there's a difference. You can go in and you can fight or you can box. Mm. Cooper boxed. He didn't fight. If you fight, you end up throwing haymakers and you're round arming. And, you know, when you get tired, you start throwing the big hooks. Cooper boxed. Everything was straight. His technique was good. The, the big thing that people talked about, you know, kept his hands down. Yes. You should keep your hands up, but if you want to suck in a guy who's unfit and who hasn't had a lot of boxing experience, keep your hands low, make him throw the round arms, because when he throws the round arms, you just jab him, hit him in the chin, hit him with the cross, and guess what knocked him out? As soon as he kept his hands down, Dunnett went for the big hook, Cooper hit the right cross, great tactics. He actually knows how to box. Do I want to see him boxing anymore? No. Just play rugby fight, please. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt kind of crazy. Um, and when I finally put two and two together, how come, what, you know, why wasn't Quaid playing in that t- trial to realise it was so he could box um, for those three minutes? But, yeah, you forget, you, f- you forget about all the craziness that went on behind that. Um, and then, obviously, there was the stink that happened with the uh, SBW fight, but it's probably best we don't get into that because I'm... I'm, I'm not sure we'd ever get out of the murkiness. But talking about murkiness, um, another issue that's come up in the in the press over the, just the last week or so has been this whole ACC kind of doping and sport inquiry, um, which was um, quite amazing. It seemed to kind of come out of the blue, and I was you know you know getting a coffee somewhere, and I looked up to see Bill Pulver, you know, giving an address to some sort of huge media gathering. Um, you know about drugs and sport and, and drugs in rugby. Um, the, the, the one thing I'm going to say about that, I guess I wanted to get off my chest about this was, you know, it's a serious topic. Don't get me wrong. Um, and you know, with some of the revelations we've had about people like Lance Armstrong recently, um, you know, some you know big issues. Having said that, um, I think we're all left scratching our head a little bit as far as what exactly this is all based on. Um, if, for example, I wanted to, or if all I had was like four or five scratchy um, examples of, of, of doping or cheating in this way and I wanted to beat it up as big as I could, the sort of wording that they've used and the sort of tactics they've used with the media so far is exactly what I would have done. 
Um, so until we get a little bit more information here, I'm kind of left scratching my head, and I think most of us are, as to just how big is this issue? Because surely none of us can be that surprised that you will be able to find a few rotten apples in all of Australian sport. Um, but just how systemic it is. I mean, I, and the other bit, which is that people being completely shocked that organised crime is involved in supplying things. Well, where else are you going to get it from? Um, so, you know, I don't know. I, am I completely off the boil here on this? Either of you guys got a viewpoint on this? Yeah, look, I think you're pretty much right there. The the day it all came out, it seemed to be this huge, wide-ranging conspiracy across all sports. Blackest and basically day in everyone sport was on the Yeah, ever. well, <laughs> apparently everyone was on the juice and uh everyone was fixing matches and it seemed to be at that point that no sport was safe. But in the days after it, it seems like from watching the coverage it's more of a rugby league and AFL problem. Uh, certainly Rugby League, they're targeted six clubs and they've all been told by the Crime Commission and it seems to be starting to clear. And it, in Rugby's case, it looks like there doesn't seem to be much attention on our game. Uh, despite the fact that in the actual report, one of the examples that they cited was of a rugby player who'd been f convicted of importation on the Sunshine Coast. But... Other than that, I think it's probably safe to say that rugby is going to escape more or less unscathed uh, from this whole saga. And certainly the players came out and said that they'd never experienced um, any sort of doping. But I'd also say that you'd be mad to believe that it wasn't in our game, that people weren't using performance-enhancing drugs and getting away with it. But I don't think, and I'd like to think, that it's not a widespread issue and uh, I hope that's all proven in the next few weeks and months as this drags out. Yeah. I mean, Scott, I mean, you know, you're working there in, in, in club rugby. Uh, what was your feeling on this? Is this a, a bit of a beat-up or is it the tip of the iceberg? Well, from a rugby point of view, the, the, the only case that they cited and they, they, they make no allegations of rugby, against rugby, sorry, except for the one case and that, as Hugh said, was against the Sunshine, uh, some, uh, a player, player coach slash, you know, he'd been involved for a long time with the Sunshine Coast Rugby Union. Um, they were they were caught, they were convicted, there were two of them. Um, there were lots of rumours going on in 2010 when that happened and, you know, some of the players that played for that club in 2010... Wow, they looked fantastic. They were great specimens. Um, subsequently, finding out that you know their their lead guys were involved in and were convicted of things, you know, that sort of a lot of things added up. Mm -hmm. But but that's it. There's mm -hmm. nothing. There's no one to say. I mean, and and don't forget Queensland Premier Rugby, and that's what. You know, these guys were involved in Queensland Premier Rugby. That's effectively an amateur-level rugby. Mm. Um, that wasn't Super Rugby. That wasn't, you know, Wallabies. It's club rugby. And these guys, yes, they may have taken stuff. They may not have taken stuff, whatever they were convicted. But they weren't involved in professional rugby. No. So we're not seeing cases here where, 
you know, any of our professional franchises are involved, like it's now been reported there are six NRL clubs who, and they're professional clubs, who are involved. And there's a number of AFL clubs. I'm not sure how many that is, but obviously it's one, it's Essendon. But, you know, they're all under investigation. There's no professional rugby club in rugby union that has been part of this conversation. It's an amateur club. That's Mm. the only thing that happened. And it was two years ago, and it was a couple of people. I don't think, and I haven't seen any um, evidence whatsoever in Queensland, obviously. I don't know about other states, but I'm, you know... I can only talk about Queensland. I've not seen any evidence and I've not heard any rumour of any performance-enhancing substance. Yeah. No, I, anyway, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. And I think a lot of people in the other codes are waiting to, you know, waiting for the information to come through until they can uh, make a, a, a statement or a judgment around just how endemic it is. I mean, the one thing I do find interesting is that the whole process they've run, which I believe is a sum total of 30 interviews that they've held across the codes, and it is all only, um, it can't be, none of it can be uh, put forward as judicial evidence because it's all just interviews and basically hearsay. Um, and this is what the total thing is based on. So, And there's a reason why you know, people call it hearsay um, because... Um, uh, you know, you never know what acts other people have to grind. So, anyway, it's oh, let's see how this runs. I just found it pretty interesting how hard it, and how high it got hyped. Um, maybe you know, I'll be made to eat my words once we hear a bit more about the evidence and um, other things ensue. But um, anyway, that was the ACC um, commission. So, uh, I think we've probably, considering this was going to be a quick kind of preview show. I think we've managed to ramble, but I'm going to blame a couple of guys in the forum for that. So um, I think The Rant and Shiggins both mentioned, a, you know, pod- podcasts going for um, upwards of two hours. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry, guys, but you gave us the idea. So it's your fault um, for this podcast going for so long. Um, but let's wrap it up and maybe just look at the, the fixtures we've got uh, coming up this weekend, so it's just uh, two fixtures in the in the whole Super uh, Rugby this weekend, right? So it's just two Aussie derbies. We've got the Rebels t- um, hosting the Force at Amy Park on Friday night. Um, that's at uh, seven forty local time, and then the Brumbies hosting the Reds, and that's in Canberra. And again, that's at uh, seven forty run- uh, local time on Saturday. Um, How's it? There's any. How is this working? That we there's a couple of weekends where it's just two Aussie teams playing, right? Is is this got to do with Lions stuff or? Yep. Yep. That's the reason. Okay. Um, so we need to get those games in another time. Okay. Um, Rebels v Force. Uh, Rebels at home. Anyone? Any reason to think it won't be probably the Rebels to win that one? Look, I think it'll be close. I think these two teams have a history, and the Rebels have won three out of the four games, but each of those three wins has been by one point. And uh, Good stats. I, I, uh, yeah, I've done, I do my research for these things. Uh, <laughs> but I think uh, it'll be close. But I think the Rebels at home, um, haven't, I haven't seen much of the force or the Rebels, so I think it's a bit of an unknown. 
uh, quantity, but going off the teams on paper, Beal, O'Connor should have too much class. Alrighty. Um, yeah. All right. I love my, I love my stats, but I didn't research that, and I'm going to go with <laughs> gut. I'm going to go with gut feeling. It'll be a lot more than one point. I reckon the Rebels. Okay, there you go. Um, and then the Brumbies red. I mean, I've, I have no reason to doubt either of you guys, and it will be somewhere between your one point, um, Hugh, and uh, whatever else it ends up um, being. Uh, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's getting late. Uh, Brumbies um, versus Reds. So, um, Scott, I already know you're, you're tipping the Brumbies on this one, right? Oh, it pains me to do it, but yes, I am. Oh, okay. There you go. Um, Hugh, any reason to disagree? No. Again, it's going to be a hard one. Brumbies in Canberra traditionally uh, have a very good record and until last year had a very good record against the Reds. Um, I think they'd won something like 10 straight in Canberra, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's the, the Canberra's a real fortress there and they've built it up. Built it up again over the last couple of years, so I think uh, I'll go with the Brumbies by... But it'll be close. I think Brumbies by five. Yeah, but don't forget, Quade Cooper, in the last 30 seconds, under the post, kick the conversion, that beats your five. <laughs> That's very <laughs> am true. I, am, I, am I grasping? <laughs> hey, mate, you, I'm a Waratahs fan. I'm, uh, I'm not going to uh, begrudge anyone grasping here. We're used to go... We, yeah. Well, and, and the Tars will be walking away with points this weekend anyway, so there you go, the mighty Tars. No, <laughs> um, I hedged my bets there, didn't I? Yeah, I hedged. Yes. Um, yeah, Brumbies, Reds, I, I, prob- I mean, whichever way it ends out, and I'd probably go with the Brumbies, I think, um, you know, especially, you know, Junior's still out, Hallwell's going to be out. Um, it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be fascinating to see what these two teams do and, um, this, you know, to, to, to see them turn it on. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be a great game to watch um, either way. I'd probably side with the Brumbies there as well. Okay. Well, that's the end of um, the pod slam, I think. Anything we've missed, guys, that you can think of? No, good start to the season. bit scratchy in the early minutes there, but I think we've come through well. Yeah, we've managed to wang on quite admirably there. Um, we will look to get guests back. Um, don't worry. Um, it's just a little bit early. We're still, you know, grasping with the whole concept of another year having started. Um, but, uh, thanks for downloading and, uh, let us come, come in your ears once again. Um, great to be back and great to be talking to you guys again. Uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, right there, right there.